Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika Soft Gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. It's story time on the Canna Mom Show, where we will enjoy the first chapter of Joyce's book. She's taking a break. Are you ready? I am ready, (laughs) Dave. Thank you. She's taking a break by Joyce Gerber. This is the Canna Mom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Canna Mom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Canna Mom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. Welcome back to the Canna Mom Show. I am Joyce Gerber, and we are so grateful you are joining us once again today as we continue on our mission of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers. One canna story at a time. Thank you. All right, Dave. Last podcast, season four. All right. Yes. Pop the champagne, celebrate another successful season of the award-winning podcast. We have, we, we, are, we recorded 36 shows this season, 45 mm-hmm. guests. Do you have any favorites? Do you remember? This is actually my high tech. I know. Oh, actually we're putting this on YouTube so you can see it. That is my high tech way of keeping track. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like the shows where we talk about devices. I like the mm-hmm. the most recent one where we, I'm terrible. I'm not going to remember the guest names. I'm sorry. No, but, you don't have but, to. Like, there's a lot of people. There's but, like but, some people, sometimes I'm worried, did I talk to you already on the show? So right. I have to be careful now. There's been so many, a couple hundred episodes. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I like the shows where there are journeys, where there's some pain in there at the beginning, whether people have used cannabis to help get over something. As I have a son with autism and we haven't tried giving him cannabis yet because we want to get the smart advice before we do something like that. But it's fascinating that this plant, which used to be reviled and cast in with so much stigma, 
can really help people get through their struggles. Those are probably my favorite shows. Thank you. And you are my audience. You're the people I'm trying to reach and trying to engage in this conversation because it's real. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And stories are powerful. And these stories of healing, I think I say this over and over again, these very strong connections and the stories of healing are what really changes people's hearts and minds because like my friend says, ideas are like children. We like our own the best. And if we think we're going to do it ourselves, people find this really powerful transition. So when they see someone they love using this plant medicine and really watching them heal and get better, there's a space in their brain that somehow opens up for them to think maybe what I believe isn't right. Right. And, yeah. And it's, it's, it's happening. I mean, since you started the show, there are at least a handful of states that have uh, legalized recreational use of cannabis and, and medical if they hadn't earlier, right? So, but really the the real mission of this show is just telling those stories because it, it absolutely makes a difference. This is the type of thing that there are some issues in politics and such that you just think there's no chance of changing people's mind. But with this one, if you get the education, if you actually learn about it, you can, smart people are going to change their mind. They experienced it. Again, I think the mission really of this show is to say, this is a plant medicine. And almost all these stories I'm sharing of these women who are really the pioneers. And I say I'm preserving these stories as well, because at some point we're going to forget all this. These women who are going up against a lot to say that this is actually helping me and they are evangelized and they're moving forward and they're, you know, doing their job in this world. And I want to keep those stories going because I don't know, it's how we're going to fix the world and heal ourselves. That's right. Love it. So, all right. So glad you've been with me. I'm glad I've been able to change your hearts and mind. I'm glad you're like <laughs> spreading the joy and wisdom and <laughs> I just mm-hmm. whatever. We live in the anomaly of history, people. This cannabis has always been part of human history. We can go back to so the founding of our country. We can go back to 1619. I said this last week. We were required to grow hemp. Mm-hmm. And who grew our hemp? The enslaved people that we brought to this country. And mm-hmm. this has been an issue in our country. And our government has used cannabis as a weapon for a really long time. And a lot of the incarceration issues are criminal justice. I like to talk about all these legal things too. Kind of gonna all go back to this idea that this is a plant and it was criminalized and used by our government as a weapon and our government can now use it as a tool mm-hmm. and, to the, heal and help. Yeah, we've talked about it on the show before, but the documentary 13 does a, a good job of showing how that unfortunate, odious process continued throughout American history. And we laugh about that movie, Reefer Madness, but, you know, that that echoed for years. And despite the fact that we look back on it and it's silly, that was the thought. And why? Because the government kept telling us it was something evil. It was something that was it was it was it was like, let let the people of color mess with that. That's their problem. And when they do, we're going to put them in prison for it. And really became the the new slavery. So I'm glad it's coming back around at least to some extent. And I, again, I talked about the Deja News, the Rachel Maddow Deja News podcast, which last week had to do with, oh, (laughs) Supreme Court Justice Rehnquist. Mm -hmm. It's all background history. Like I get upset about Clarence Thomas, but I mean, Rehnquist, I never thought much about, I suppose, but he was actually leading the issues in Arizona when they were trying to do voter suppression. Really? You know, these civil these civil rights issues came about. It's the same story, the same story they used in 1965 when they tried to suppress votes and whatever they were doing. And then they had some power in the Supreme Court. We're back there again. But you know, what's different. What? 
We got black women in power who are making decisions at levels that they were never even imagined were capable of in 1965. So that is the difference when we talk about people using the same old scare tactics over and over again to suppress people. Yeah. And it's, who is it down South? Barbara Jordan? Is that her name? Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah. Uh, Well, just that change is possible. I mean, a a lot of these, these states where you, you didn't think you could see someone of, color never mind a woman in power it is happening and so with all the just disheartening things going on in um our country it's nice that that this is going on so and no no it's so, not it's not barbara jordan i'm getting her name barbara jordan was a was a, a former figure i'll i'll figure this he'll out come back, he'll come back with yeah, it oh, yeah. what again there are women across the country who again i say this a lot my graduating class from northeastern university law school half of us were women a lot of us did drop out because we're still having issues with caregiving but yep. my friend, Moore Healy, is now governor of the great Commonwealth of Massachusetts. So and and I was at a panel about housing a couple of days ago. Mayor Wu was there. Lieutenant uh, Governor Kim Driscoll was there. We have an entire leadership of women that was really when we were growing up, I couldn't have imagined was possible in Massachusetts, specifically Boston. So things change. Of course. Listeners know this already, but Stacey Abrams was the name I was looking for. Oh, Stacey Abrams. <laughs> yeah, Stacey oh, Abrams. Yeah, I, I don't know how I Jordan. got from Stacey Abrams to Barbara Jordan. Just uh, although, I, 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 although they have, I'm sure Barbara Jordan was a was a role model of Stacey Abrams. But whatever. <laughs> again, again, and that's a good segue. So Stacey mm. Abrams had an alias as a romance writer. Did you know that? I did not. Mm-hmm. Do tell. So she has in her free time, which I can't imagine she has much mm. of. She likes to write romance novels. Right. That's that's crazy. Which is sort of ties in today's show. So, all right. So today we we're supposed to have a guest, but things happen. And then if you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, you'll know that we had to say goodbye to my 17 year old dog, Sunny Sunshine, on Friday. Mm. That's that's really uh, this is going to sound like lip service, but that's a good run for a dog, right? I mean, that's old. It's, it's an amazing run. Yeah. And I turn and I again, I always say I'm really a cat person. I'm not a dog person. We brought Sunny into our life when my son was nine and my daughter was seven. So she really <laughs> became yeah. my dog. So she's been by my side for a long time. So it was very, very hard. We took very good care of her. I hope someone takes good care of me yeah. <laughs> when I'm <laughs> right. What is 17 times seven. I don't know. That's pretty old, man. Yeah, I can't do the math off the top of my head. But And I used it. Your music guy. I used the Jim Croce song time in a bottle if you're not familiar with that oh, yeah. it's really just heart-wrenching so yeah. i i the first time i put the veal together i was sobbing so much and my friend showed up to bring something and she's like what are you doing i'm like i'm getting the reel ready this is like four days before it happened mm. Mm. yeah yeah <laughs> i like to be prepared 109 119 <laughs> for those uh joyce and i went to law school we didn't there wasn't a lot of math but 119 in human years, that's crazy. And uh, yeah, you know, they, they give you a, a kind of love, I think, that humans don't, it, which is not to say that humans aren't incapable of deep uh, love, unconditional love. But that I just saw a video the other day, somebody put together of their dog, and it was to the police song, Every Breath You Take, I'll Be Watching mm. You, and just had shots of the dog peeking from another room, peeking in because <laughs> the dog always wants to know what you're doing. Hey, what are you doing? Hey, what are you doing? Hey. And it's an amazing thing. I've told you, I my girlfriend's dog, I adore my little Kobe. And so I feel your pain, Joyce. I'm, I hope you remember the good times. 
I do. And again, I've lost parents. I'm a grown woman, but this is hard. So I have a lot more empathy for people who have lost puppies because I just are dogs. I just, it's, they're very special. Anyways, and this morning I found out my washing machine is unfixable. So <laughs> I just. When it rains, it pours. Yeah. <laughs> this is all to say that I am unprepared. <laughs> Even though I intended to do a very special show for my very last show of season four. But instead, I'm going to do something different, which mm. comes back to Stacey Abrams. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You never meet Stacey. Who knows? Maybe someday we'll meet. I'm a writer. Just one of those things I do just helps me process my world, I guess. I've written a couple of different books just for me. And uh, a couple of years ago, I've had a genre, an idea for a new genre that I was calling cannabis chiclet. Yeah. Uh, although now I call cannabis romance a can of romance, and my can of romance. Wait, why can why cannabis chiclet? Oh, because that's a chiclet, like lit- literature. You oh, know, how like they always lit. use okay, like it. wine, like all those like you know, the woman always drunk. Like if you read any yeah. cannabis, like if you read any <laughs> genre, you're like the ladies are always drinking their wine. They're always drunk. They're always doing whatever. And I'm like, well, there's a whole other segment of ladies out there. I know them. They're my friends now who don't really drink, but they do use cannabis on right. a regular basis. And what, couldn't that be part of this new genre? So that was my idea. So it's called She's Taking a Break. Mm. Great title. Is, thank you. So actually, this came from my mom. She was telling me how when she was a young woman and she worked in an office, she took up smoking because when you went outside smoking, you could like take a break. Yeah, like you could like sit and smoke and she couldn't just like sit at her desk and stare into space. So mm. she used to say when she was going to take her cigarette smoke break, she was taking a break, which kind of came back to cannabis somehow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. All right. So what I'm going to do today is I'm just going to read you my little intro when I explain this to agents. Any agents listening, you want to, you know, support me. This is what yeah, I send you. Pitch, you know, whatever yeah. gets back to me. The pitch, the query. Yep. And then I'll just read you the first chapter and then Dave and I will you know, tie it all together for season four. And it's been a great season, don't you think? Absolutely. Fantastic season. This And this is a great way to end it. I can't I can't wait to hear this. Do, would you like a little story time music? I think that would be awesome. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It's story time on the Canon Mom Show, where we will enjoy the first chapter of Joyce's book. She's taking a break. Are you ready? I am ready, <laughs> Dave. Okay. Thank you. Okay. I'm ready for my I'll intro. All right. all right. She's taking a break by Joyce Gerber. All right, so this is my little query letter, and then I'll jump right into chapter one. This is like, imagine this in the back cover, maybe on the inside. When when Annie McGrath returns to her home in Cambridge, Massachusetts, after being on the road with her husband's band for 20 years, she moves back into her childhood bedroom to figure out how things in her life went so terribly wrong. Dottie McGrath welcomes Annie home and is happy to have someone else in the house besides her ailing husband. And when Annie seeks compassionate listener and father Lorenzo, her next door neighbor and childhood best friend in the confessional, the threads of Annie's life begin to unfurl. Annie is a habitual cannabis consumer and throughout the story, cannabis is normalized and accepted along with the unfolding story of Annie's secret in order to upend the stigmas that have been created around cannabis use. So that's my intro. So um, sit back, get yourself a cup of tea, roll yourself in joint and enjoy chapter one of my Canna Romance, She's Taking, a break. Chapter one. <clears throat> First, sacraments. Annie stands quietly in the bright afternoon sun, lights a joint outside the majestic wooden doors of St. Catherine of Genoa Parish, and feels the coolness of the butter yellow bricks against her neck when she leans back. She's shaken by the feeling so close to him again. Shit, she says with a long exhale of smoke. I can do this. Annie breathes in deep and holds the smoke in her lungs until she can hold it no longer. 
As she exhales, Annie begins to feel the anxiety move out of her body. She's grateful her mom welcomed her back so easily, but it didn't come without strings. Annie thinks that maybe this is how it's supposed to feel to come home to a place she hardly knows. The cannabis lifts her mood and the day suddenly glows with clarity and possibilities. God, I love a good joint, she says to herself before taking one last inhale and crushing the ashy tip lightly against the metal railing running along the wide concrete staircase. Annie turns her head slightly to look up at the church steeple and notices the small white clouds floating above the church. It's okay to come home, she thinks as she pushes the majestic wooden doors open and walks casually into the dark sanctuary. The day Annie McGrath came back into his life, he could feel her before she'd said a word. His heartbeat quickened and his soft round body tingled with a familiar longing. Father Lorenzo knew the white collar around his neck protected him against many things but not against her. First, how are you? Is what he'd asked from his place behind the delicate barrier. His face shadowed from her view while he sat afraid to ask what he really wanted to know after he'd made sure no one else was waiting in the church. I'm learning to sleep again at night. Being on tour for so many years screwed up my ability to sleep in the dark. We live like vampires out on the road with the hedonist and atheists. She laughs, but he doesn't join in. That's positive, he says quietly. He knows she is smiling because he feels that familiar lift in his chest as the warm rush of feelings begin to fill the void of his frozen center. Maybe love is eternal, he thinks hopefully. Annie, I'm so glad you're home. Dottie said you would be here, but I didn't really believe her. It's been a long time. I know, I never planned on moving back with mom, is what Annie says as she sits back against the confessional wall and pulls the cream-colored silk scarf from around her burning neck. This might be a new low in my point, a new low point in my life, she says, slumping slowly in her seat, caressing the silk scarf on her lap. No, I think that's when you met Jean-Pierre. Other words, Father Lorenzo blurts out and regrets instantly. Maybe you're right. Yes, I know you're right. You're always right. And I love you for knowing the truth and that I can hide it so easily for myself. You were always the greatest manager of my emotions, Lorenzo. You never disappointed people or were idle or failed others' expectations. She says breathlessly, leaning close to the delicate barrier, separating them. Father Lorenzo knows she is wrong, but he doesn't remind her of that. I am Father Lorenzo, a spiritual guide and responsible community member, he says instead. And I'm the shame spouse of a scandalous rock star. I definitely didn't see that coming the first day we met. Night, she corrects him. Yes, night, how could I have forgotten that, he says and feels the mood change in their tight space. Father Lorenzo thinks about how it was with them when they first saw each other on that cold, starry night in Cambridge when they were both eight years old. Do you remember when you stopped hanging around the after school in sixth grade and how I learned to play guitar because I missed you so much and wanted to sing a song outside your window? He confesses and can hear her sit back on her side of the booth and let out an amused sound. And I still do play the guitar, that is. It's what makes me so popular. Nothing sexier than a guitar playing priest, she says and he allows a smile to raise his cheeks. He hopes Annie can't feel him blush from her side of the confessional, but he can't deny he's flattered that they can still intoxicate each other despite the years apart. She is silent and he waits. He knows how it was for a time when she used to call him from the road and talk about her life. JP and me, we're just living different lives right now. He's touring and I'm here with family. Other words, she speaks carefully and slowly but he wants her to confess that in the end, she knew JP wasn't enough for her. He's quiet, 
and allows her pain to fill him. That's his power and he's putting it to good use. Lorenzo hopes Annie can feel a lightness float into her as she absorbs, as he absorbs her burdens. He wants to cleanse the air of their sins. You need to be kind to yourself, he says in his priestly voice. You need to find the compassion for yourself that you find for others. He pauses and sits still with his hands folded on his lap and watches Annie through the lattice as she fidgets with a scarf on her lap. He speaks again with a slight shake in his voice. Sometimes, Annie, you're allowed to take care of yourself. They sit alone together, but when the bells of St. Catherine Parish ring in the hour of 12 with a dozen lyrical bell tones, he remembers that Mrs. Fitzpatrick is expecting him for their Thursday afternoon lunch at her house on Porter Street. He's reluctant to break the moment. I have to go, and he says with a sigh, mom will be expecting me back with dad's medicine and her pack of Marlboro lights. But I like this feeling of being together with a human who loves me unconditionally. Lorenzo, Father Lorenzo, you have always stood by me even when I didn't deserve that kind of love. And now with your priestly powers, I'm beginning to feel that maybe you can save me. I can still picture you, he says, hoping she will stay a few more minutes. Picture me where? That first night when I was watching you, Nona had sent me out with the garbage. It was Sunday and she was watching that show with the ticking clock. 60 minutes, Annie laughs. I remember how I would sit by dad every Sunday night watching that show with him. I hated the sound of that clock. It meant all the happiness of the weekend was about to end. It was like listening to a bomb about to explode. That night, the explosion was you. He stops and allows himself to indulge in tinted nostalgia. It was cold, so cold, and the world outside felt dark and frozen. I put on my heaviest winter coat and work boots to take the garbage out. And all you were wearing was that faded jean jacket with a leopard print fur collar and the gloves without fingers. And you were smiling. He's glad to think back to that girl because she was someone he loved, even if Annie has done the best to destroy her. I remember. You stood there, still as a rabbit under the bright street light, the snow landing lightly on your long braids. You look like an angel. I had to blink twice to make sure you were real. Then I smiled because... He pauses, but she knows exactly what he will say next. Because you are so beautiful. Annie leans in close to the lattice and sighs. On that first night in Cambridge, it was like the world had opened up and something I never knew I wanted was suddenly handed to me. I had a home and a friend. I can see your smile, Lorenzo, because it was your smile I saw first. And then how small you were, she laughs. You weren't much taller than the fence around your front yard. You were wearing a green parka that was a few sizes too big and that fur on the hood covered your hair. I remember thinking you looked like a small lion and your hands could not possibly fit in those big gloves attached to your skinny wrists. You stood staring at me from your driveway across the street. I'd lived across the street from Charlie since I was five and I'd never once had seen more than one light on in that house ever. Then you and Dottie showed up and everything changed. I was happy to have someone my own age so close. I remember I didn't know what to do. I froze right in my spot, looking into the city sky, thinking about the nights I was going to miss in Maine. My head was still lifted up. I was trying to capture snowflakes falling from the darkness when I saw you. I was blissful, I remember. But when I saw you, my joy froze and suddenly I felt exposed and embarrassed. She sits back on the bench, her hands gently caressing the silk scarf like a cat in her lap. In Maine, there was never anyone around to watch my weirdness in full display. 
mom was usually working or talking with her friends and our neighbors were so far away. Cambridge was a new experience and I, I learned that being around people could make me uncomfortable, but I always liked you. They sit quietly together with a moment from so long ago. The truth is I'm sad, that's why I'm here. And he says in a whisper, JP said some things he can't take back. Then I threw his favorite guitar off the living room balcony. It was bad. It was like we woke up every morning with good intentions and then we ended every night with a divisive symbolic crusade to tear each other down. What was the point? Lorenzo inhales, wondering if this time they've gone too far. Okay, no worries, she says. He looks through the lattice and watches her cover herself with the black wool coat and pick up the cream colored scarf she'd been holding on her lap. I hope you don't mind that I came here today. I really needed a compassionate listener. I understand, he says but feels the need to remind her again. It's obvious she's forgotten how this is supposed to work. Annie, my dear friend, I am so glad you are back and chose to visit me here in the sacred space. But next time, could you, been, could you begin with a statement of confession? Ask for my forgiveness. My superiors might be listening. He feels something shift in his heart, remembering who she is and who he has become. Uh, of course, and this is just temporary, she says until I sort out what I'm going to do and get health insurance to pay for someone else to listen to me. Of course, my child, Father Lorenzo says before shutting the small door that separates his world from her. Annie walks leisurely down the busy street, pausing to look in the store windows while contemplating her existence back in Cambridge. Her mind wanders back to the last year she lived at home when meeting JP felt like a reward for all that she'd been through that long, terrible year. Being back in her old neighborhood in the shadows of her childhood church with Lorenzo in charge makes Annie smile, wondering if maybe this time things will be different. Her heart beats a little faster each time she thinks about how Lorenzo still loves her and worries that this still feels so good. Breathe in deep, Annie thinks as memories flood her brain and unsettle her belief that change is possible. I'll never belong and I'm not sure I want to, she emotes at the reflection in the chocolate shop window. Do I want to? Other thoughts that flash next as she turns away from the shop, still lost in her own gauzy memories that doesn't and doesn't see the pile of brown poop on the sidewalk that her right foot slowly slides into. Gross! Annie yells out to no one in particular, but a passerby agrees with a nod of his head. The stench fills her nose and she feels a purge of all her angry, sad emotions. Shit, 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 she mutters continuously as she tries to wipe the feces off her black boots the one she'd salvaged the night she left LA. Annie sits on the cold metal bench at the bus stop and examines the orange tinged patty clinging to her boot. In that moment, her foggy mind can't focus beyond the edges of her boot and all she can see is the shit in her life. Annie has the urge to stay on the cold bench forever and cry. She reaches into her coat pocket in search of a napkin or old wrapper to wipe her shoe and her hand finds a small gummy bear, which she pops into her mouth without thinking how long it could have been there or what is in it. Whatever is her only thought as she pops it into her mouth. She looks up again and the clouds are moving in fast, closing the world under a fluffy grayness, the blue disappearing from the sky. The world feels sad and she knows it's time to get home to Dottie and Charlie because they will be worried. Before standing up from the bench, she thinks about her last night in LA on their balcony remembering that by the time JP finally touched her to begin healing, they'd become too partisan. They'd split allegiance, lost their community, and couldn't see each other. Maybe it was all the money that corrupted who they were at first. 
And Father Lorenzo might say they believed in the wrong gods. But until that last night, when JP touched her, touched Annie and her body felt offended and clutched itself tight against him in disgust, Annie knew she didn't believe in false gods anymore. She didn't believe in anything. His words were bad, but she had acted. Annie left LA thinking it was a whim and would come to an end. But now I'm not so sure. I like it here, she thinks to herself. It's old and cold and dirty and these crooked Cambridge streets. But that's how I feel. Not all shiny and perfect like LA. She sits quietly and moves slowly as she wipes the poop off her black boots. She can hear the small voice inside her say that maybe she won't forgive him, can't forgive him, but that seems doubtful. She knows if she can still love Lorenzo after everything he did to her, she's capable of forgiving JP. And he pushes herself up slowly from the cold bench and heads back to Pemberton Street. Chapter one, she's taking a break. Really great, Joyce. Really great. Yeah. All that law school writing. You're a writer. <laughs> yes. Law school um, actually kills your writing. Actually, I have to say law school kills your writing. <laughs> yeah, well, it develops <clears throat> an entirely different kind of writing, which is not useful for real life. So the we don't know what the terrible thing is that Lorenzo did to Annie yet, do we? Okay, we no, don't know. That's, okay. a, that's the story. Well, so I, I will say I, I've done this a couple of times, and originally I thought the story was about Annie and JP. Mm-hmm. But this is really a story about Annie and Lorenzo. Yeah. So very, very good. And and it's there's suspense in this in the chapter because at first we don't know what the relationship is between Annie and Father Lorenzo. And I don't I'm not sure I might have missed this if there's a description of how old they are. Do we know that uh, they're, they're in their forties, but yeah. So they've been both away the, twenty years, so yeah. They're both yeah. about the same age, but oh, yeah. I, I kind of like the fact that I had to figure that out because in in the sort of in a classic tale that a pre a man of God is for whatever reason typically depicted as older than the person sitting in confessional a lot of it and so at first I thought young girl older man but then slowly it 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 reveals itself to you that they they, they were they had something in the past and at that point it started reminding me of two two great scenes and things that I've seen. There's a scene in the Sopranos where Carmela Soprano invites the priest in for a night where they spend drinking wine and only talking, but the, there's a lot of sexual tension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other one is the, have you seen the TV show Fleabag? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Like With Fleabag. the hot, the yeah. hot priest. She, she yeah. develops this like forbidden love for the, so it's, so those are, I know you, those weren't, intended homages, but, but, the, but the priest is a good stand-in for again i'm jewish yeah. what do i know right, right, but when right, i was younger this is true i had a lot of catholic friends i grew up in milton so i used to go to yeah. mass five o'clock mass with them because they had to go and i was just fascinated by it i would sit in the back and i'm like what are you doing the little boxes and why is everybody kneeling yeah. <laughs> and then you get to go eat so it was kind of it's intriguing the whole it's a different yeah way of thinking it's <laughs> i mean there's the literature is 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 replete with many examples of of conversations in confessionals that have been meaningful but this is this is particularly interesting because the whole story is laid out for you while she's ostensibly giving a confession which we later found out isn't really a confession it's just her way of talking to father lorenzo so really great joyce really great actually because i I live near my tip o'neill obsession so i live near tip o'neill's old church and i walk by it a lot and i one day i was thinking like 
what if I just need to go talk to somebody? Could you just walk in? Like, and you had a compassionate listener. Well, and I assume the answer <laughs> is funny. yes, right? I assume the <laughs> yeah. answer is yes. We're all children of God, even if we're Jewish. So, yeah. Thank you. All right. Yeah, so that really was good. my indulgence. Thank you for listening to chapter one. If you want to hear chapter two, reach out, connect with me. Maybe this is what I'll do over the, I've been, I, I, I could release break. it in the newsletter. I could talk it on Instagram. Tell me what you want. Tell me people, you tell me what you want and yeah. I'll give it to you. And I, I also like that you, you're you not hitting anybody over the head with the cannabis. It's, it's just kind of part of the story so far. It's again, it's a, um, integrating it in. Again, yep. culture is around us. We don't know it exists. People got us to smoke cigarettes because they started having people in movies smoking cigarettes. I mean, that's really how it works. So. Right. Yeah. And I had I had a friend of mine who's not a cannabis consumer read through it, an editor. And at the end, she said, this seems to be helping them. I'm mm. like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then there's no doubt we need it because all, all the depictions of marijuana in popular culture for decades have been stoners played for laughs. Cheech and Chong, right. Pineapple Express, uh, Dazed and Confused. Yeah, just getting stoned. Yeah. But this, this, so this is different and welcome. And and agents and people out there, there's an audience for this. There's oh, a whole yeah. bunch of us who have not been marketed <laughs> to. So I'm sure there's an audience if you want to talk about cannabis. It's just part of the normalized culture. I see it more in shows. Like I see more TV shows. People are definitely lighting up and consuming in different ways so I, it's coming mm. but it's not yeah can i yeah mm-hmm. can I romance yeah. it's a new genre i love it <laughs> you'll be the queen of it the founder queen, founder and queen all right so dave we had a great season thank you for joining me pretty much every week mm-hmm. and uh, we had a lot of different people and we've changed some things up and we've kept some things the same so who knows what's going to happen in season five i can't wait and uh, this, thanks for being my buddy on this because this has been good. Having a can of bro has really worked, and we're just going to keep it up next season. Right back at you, can of mom. Actually, you're, people should know you're not the can of mom. This is the can of mom show, but we need an even higher title for you. So, but um, I, I, again, I, the can of mom, I take this very seriously. These women who I'm meeting who are healing themselves and healing their children. And again, I come from a background of family law. We're taking enormous risks to use this medicine to heal the children. They own that. They are the can of mummies. And those women who are changing hearts and minds that way are very powerful. They're a very powerful force in this industry. Well, good on you. And I can't wait for season five. It's always a labor of love. And it's always a joy being with you, Joyce. Please know it's mutual. Dave. All right. So thank you to whatever out there listening. Thank you for listening. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I don't know. Thank you for supporting season four of the Canna Mom Show. And we can't wait to bring you so many more Canna stories in the fall when we continue crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers in season five of the Canna Mom Show. So once again, for my Canna Bro, David Jazz, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Canna Mom Show where we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on the emerging cannabis industry by sharing and preserving their stories of love, kindness, wisdom, and hope. Thank you for following and sharing the inspiring stories of the women building this new industry so together we can crush the stigma around cannabis and caregivers. I'm Joyce Gerber. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Cannamom Show. We are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Have a great summer and stay tuned for the return of Season 5 in... September. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Cannabis Health Radio is a podcast about stories from people around the world who have used cannabis to deal with serious ailments, many of them life-threatening. 
My name is Ian Jessup. My co-host Corey Yelland is no stranger to the devastating emotional impact faced by so many people receiving a death sentence diagnosis from a doctor. Told she only had months to live with anal canal cancer, Corey researched and immediately began using cannabis oil to eliminate her cancer and has been cancer-free for more than a decade. She told herself that if it worked, she would spend the rest of her life helping others, which she does tirelessly every day. When you listen to our podcast, you'll hear many stories like Corey's, along with others who have used cannabis oil for many more ailments besides cancer, such as chronic pain, PTSD, MS, and many, many more. As one of our guests said, your podcast gave me the confidence to save my own life. We regularly get messages from listeners who have heard our podcast and use cannabis to solve a serious health issue of their own or that of a loved one. We hope you listen to these stories and be as inspired and moved as we are with each and every episode.